first this is the first time we're using this specific microphone. Okay. You left it on, so part of me thinks that it taped my like the last four hours since you left, which does not make me feel good. No, it totally didn't. <laughs> okay, now I'm one hundred percent convinced it did. <laughs> it did not. Okay. I can assure you that. Well, welcome uh, to another edition of Wild and Free, a Battleborn podcast. This is Jacob, all, as always, with Al- my co-ringer, Allison. Hey, y'all. Um, and today we have a special guest, Sandra Crossgrove, from the League of Women Voters here in Nevada. Hello, Sandra. Hello. Thank you for having me. Most definitely. So we are recording this just a few days after the Iowa caucus in preparation for the Nevada caucus coming up. So um, I know there's a lot of political fray we could probably get into, um, which we will reserve our thoughts about the Iowa caucus for maybe better places like Twitter. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) Uh, But um, we definitely want to talk not only about the upcoming caucus, but also the work of League of Women Voters here in Nevada. Um, But first, if you'd like to introduce yourself, tell us a little bit about how you uh, got involved with the League of Women Voters here. Um, So I'm a history professor at the College of Southern Nevada. I've lived in Las Vegas since 1986. And as a historian, I've obviously known about the League of Women Voters because it's something that you teach about when you're talking about the progressive period. Right. Because it was the NAACP, the ACLU, and the League of Women Voters that all formed approximately at the same time. Um, So we were founded in 1920, right before women got the right to vote. Mm -hmm. Because our founder, Carrie Chapman Catt, had been involved in the ratification process. And Mm -hmm. all of a sudden she realized, okay... Women are about to get the right to vote. Do they know how to register to vote? Do they know how to talk to a candidate? Do they know how to run for office? No. Right. Um, And so she set it up as an organization that she thought would, for about 10 years, it would be civics-oriented and then possibly could transition into a women's party. Obviously, the men said no to that. (laughs) Oh, wow. So we've stayed a a civics organization. And so we focus a lot on voter registration, making sure that people feel comfortable with civic processes. And then we do a lot of issue advocacy Mm -hmm. because we realize that not everybody wants to work on a campaign, wants to be involved in that side of it. But we have a lot of issues in the state of Nevada that need to be addressed, and we need lots of people to be interested and engaged. Mm Mm-hmm. Most definitely. So um, what type of tools do you offer your membership or the general public to um, to mobilize them? Um, We have a, obviously we have a website and that's kind of a a static page that lists the meetings that we have. So on the third Saturday of every month, we have a a community meeting. Mm -hmm. Uh, Last month we talked about our redistricting ballot question. This month we're going to talk about domestic violence and being culturally sensitive So we're going to have a woman who's African-American, somebody from the LGBTQ community, and somebody who works with people who are undocumented. Mm -hmm. Because sometimes domestic violence looks different when you're dealing with different populations. Uh Um, Next month, we're going to do a huge meet and greet with everybody running to be a judge this time, because there's about 130 of them. Right. So that'll be on the 21st. The next month, we're going to do mental health parity, making sure that people get mental health treatment. So we run the gamut on different types of issues that we Mm -hmm. talk about. We also have a blog, however, and the blog is where we have more kind of dynamic information that's, that's out and available. Mm-hmm. So if there's, like right now with the caucuses, we're going to be doing an event on February 13th over at the College of Southern Nevada. Mm-hmm. It's going to be called I Heart Civics Festival. Uh-huh. We're going to have cool. Hip Hop Meets Politics, the Every Woman Band, powwow dancers, an Irish dance team. Oh, cool. Free food. And we're going to have the NAACP, League of Women Voters, Me Familia Vota, the Census Bureau folks. Everybody that you might want to stop and talk to mm-hmm. if you need to know more about the caucuses or if you want to ask questions about the census. So make sure that it's loud and fun and informative. Uh-huh. 
I like the title. Very rock star yes. of you guys. Yes. Yeah. Uh-huh. <laughs> That's very awesome. So uh, thinking about the caucus, the Suara caucus is just a couple weeks away and this episode will be coming out the week of the caucus. Yes. Uh, so if you wouldn't mind talking a little bit about the history of the caucus here in Nevada, okay. um, particularly since so many of us that live in this state the caucus may be new to us. Right. I know for the three of us, it's not. But, but for, for many, many people, right. if you've come from California right. or come from, you know, another West Coast state, you may be like, what's a caucus? Why aren't we going to the voting booth and right. doing a primary? Right, exactly. And I, and I hear from people who are from out of state every election cycle because folks don't realize that every state gets to set its own election rules and, you know, if you have to have voter ID or not or whether there's early voting. But then added on top of that is kind of this crazy caucus process. So historically, up until the 1960s, it was just the party bosses that picked the candidate. So it was the, mm-hmm. the stereotypical smoke-filled room, you know, in the back somewhere, and the people, the white men mostly who were in charge, got to pick. But that really started falling apart in the 1960s because that's when the baby boomers were coming of age. Vietnam mm-hmm. was a big issue. The hippie culture was going, and you really saw things fall apart in the 1968 convention. Which, if you've, if you've seen any um, video footage of that convention, it's usually of rioters outside and right. police billy clubbing people. So it was bad. And so the Democrats realized they needed to do something different. Mm-hmm. And so it was in the 1970s where they started staying to the state uh, political organizations. You know, we really need to get more of the voters involved. And, but we still would like to have some control. So we don't necessarily want it to be like a primary or a general election. So this is how the caucus process kind of formed on its own. Um, what they really meant it for, even though you know they talked about it being for everyone, is they really wanted it to be the diehard Democrats. Mm-hmm. And so that's why the traditional caucus process is one day, one time, three or four hours, voice voting, all of the things that we're not used to, all of the things that in my gut said this is wrong because we got rid of these things 100 years ago because mm-hmm. we called them voter suppression. Mm-hmm. Um, But as long as it was only the the party faithful that participated and other folks trusted their decision-making, it was okay. It was fine. Mm -hmm. We're going through one of those transitions again. The country's diversifying. We have a lot more young people who want to be involved at the root where those big decisions are being made, not just kind of later on down the road. And so that's why after 2016 especially, we saw more states opt to become primary states. Right. Uh, Nevada didn't. Um, and I, I had conversations with people who were in the party, and they had kind of pros and cons. But I said, guys, do you have to have a different process so more people can be involved? So this is going to be the first time they will have four days of early voting. So the 15th through the 18th, you will be able to early vote in the caucus. Mm-hmm. But I need everybody to understand, this is the party running this. This is not our election officials. Right. So we are extremely spoiled here in Clark County because we have awesome election officials so we're all used to the sample ballot comes in the mail, you sit down, you open it up, you pick your candidates, you see where the early voting sites are going to be, you know, what's going to be closest to you on what day of the week. You put that sample ballot in your purse or your back of your car and you just go and vote. That right. will not happen for the caucus. No one is sending you anything in the mail. No one is going to email you. If you are not aware of where the caucus sites are going to be, you need to go to nvdems.com forward slash caucus. Mm-hmm. Or you can just Google NB Dems Caucus and it will pop up. On that site, it will show you where all the early caucusing mm-hmm. sites are and the times that they will be open. You're going to have to write it down, you know, put it on a sticky pad, put it in your phone, and then make sure that you go. Mm-hmm. No sample ballot is required. You just show up. But you have to be registered as a Democrat. 
So if you are not registered as a Democrat right now, but you're thinking you want to participate, if you go to registertovotenv.gov, that's our online voter registration system. Right. You can also change your uh, party affiliation online. Mm -hmm. So that way you don't have to stand in a separate line and have to fill out paperwork. But they will require you to affiliate with the Democratic Party. Then, um, based on the training that I went through, you'll be taken to a room where there's tablets. And all of the candidates that qualified for the ballot, which I think there's 13 of them, will be on that tablet. They're going to let you pick up to five. You don't have to. You can still just say one. But I would highly recommend that if you have two or three that you are very interested in, you do that ranked choice and say, this would be my first, this is my second, and this is my third. Mm -hmm. They will then tabulate the, the vote for those four days. That will then move forward to February 22nd, and that's the day where they're going to be doing the actual caucus. If you choose to do the actual caucus, block out that whole afternoon because right. you are going to be there for quite a while. Mm -hmm. You will need to, to show up. They will have to check you in. It's all volunteers, so it can be a little bit chaotic. They will then send you to your precinct room, so these are your neighbors, and then they're going to have around the room the different placards that will say the different candidates. Once you get settled in, they're going to say, pick your first choice. And then if I was like, if it was like Minnie Mouse and Donald Duck and Pluto, and I was for Pluto, I would go stand with Pluto. Mm -hmm. Then they do what's called the viability math. Mm -hmm. So they know how many people are in the room. And for a candidate to be viable and to move on to the second round, they're going to have to have 15% of the votes. Mm -hmm. So let's say Pluto only has 10%. And from the early vote, there was only 2%. So I'm only at 12. Now my candidate's not viable. Mm -hmm. They will then say, this is going to be the second round. Pluto's not viable. Those of you who are for Pluto, would you like to go to Minnie or Mickey Mouse because you have the chance to move? Mm -hmm. This is where you could do a calculation and say, okay, I kind of like them equally, but it looks like Minnie Mouse has got more people. I think she's going to be the viable candidate. I can move over there. Mm -hmm. Or you can just say, nope, I don't like anybody else, and I'm going to leave. Uh -huh. But that, what they're going to do is if, when, if you've early voted, they're going to have those calculations. And let's say Pluto doesn't make it. And they're going to say, okay, we're going to do a recalculation. Who picked Minnie Mouse for their second choice? Who picked Mickey Mouse for their second choice? Uh -huh. So it's ranked choice voting. So this way, if you early vote, you're not losing your vote if your candidate's not viable. Okay. Uh -huh. Right. So it will cascade down to somebody else. Mm -hmm. So if you've got two or three people, they're going to let you pick up to five. Just know how you want to rank them. Uh -huh. So then that way, when you're, if, if your first candidate doesn't make it, then your vote is going to be able to go to a second or a third. Mm -hmm. So it takes a while for this to, for you to do maybe three. And with 13 candidates, I'm not sure how many times they're going to have to run through a viability mm -hmm. test. Right. Right. And of course, this is going to be very different if, if our listeners caucused in 2016 because there were only two candidates two, right mm -hmm. so that was basically right what the, just a determination of how many people showed up for each candidate right now i remember caucusing in 2008 where it was similar but i think they, they they've changed it since then too because right. i remember there was probably six candidates i think because i remember definitely obama clinton edwards. richardson edwards yes. kucinich yes um, maybe there was another person thrown in there. I don't remember. But, yeah. But I remember that was more like the process that this is going to be this year. But I don't remember it being ranked choice. I, I remember it just, they did an initial calculation. And then if you weren't viable, you could move. Um, but I don't remember. That's, I first just moved here. So I yeah, don't remember in order, exactly. Yeah, in order, in ranked choice, this is the first time they've done ranked choice okay. voting. And that's because they couldn't figure out how do you do early voting with the caucus process. Right. And so ranked choice is a way to do that. Now, it, it eliminates strategy because people who've done caucusing a lot, 
again, if their first choice isn't viable, then they're able to see, visually see, how many people are standing with mm. the others. Right, right. And, you know, their second choice might be this person, but this person's obviously not going to be viable. I might as well go over there because that's my third person. Right, mm-hmm. right. But if you early vote, you won't see physically what's happening in the room. Uh-huh, uh-huh. But for people who have kids who are working, who are disabled, for whatever reason, if you can't be there for four hours, Mm -hmm. it's better that you early vote, get your vote in there at least for your first candidate, and then if you can, do two or three more. Right. And we'll make sure, too, in the the show notes to put the links, because I think that's really important. And I know I, like, Allison's not going to be in town for the actual caucus, but I told her, I'm like, you can do this early, and you should do it early, because then at least your voice is heard. Yeah. Um, So, yeah, and I think that's really important, which... I mean, I think that's the one thing is, as someone who's very skeptical of the caucus myself, um, I am glad that there at least is another way for people to yes. participate yes. that wouldn't be able to participate. We're in it. I mean, our whole state, we're a 24-7 state. There's inevitably going to be a huge chunk of the people that are working that right. cannot participate in the caucus. And that's not, I mean, if we're thinking of fairness, and I know you've got your opinion, Sandra, on whether or not that's fair. But, like, that's the most fair thing to at least have that if we're not going to do a primary. But the League of Women Voters, me, had conversations with the Democrats um, in the last two presidential cycles and said, on the one hand, if you look at the Democratic platform in relation to election and voting, you want lots of early voting, you want absentee balloting, you want, you know, multiple languages, and yet you apply none of those things to the caucus. So, to me, there is a fundamental tear in the fabric of the space-time continuum when you say one thing about certain types of elections, pretty right. much all the elections, but there's just one exception. And to me, that's an important exception is picking who's going to run to be president, mm-hmm. that you really should be applying the same standards right. to that process. Um, and, of course, there's internal party politics. And so they at least were able to say we can do early vote. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. Can you tell us about what are the requirements to participate in the caucus? It's the exact same requirements for voting. So you have to be over 18. Um, you have to have lived in the, the state for at least 30 days. You have to have lived in your precinct for at least two weeks. Um, that's about it. And in our state, I know there are some states where if you're going to be 18 on election day, you can participate. Yes, that's okay, the same. so we're that's so Nevada, if you're 17 but will be 18 on November 3rd, yes. you are able to participate. Yes. Which is awesome. Yes. Which is really phenomenal. Now, it is, again, yeah. close to... So you have to affiliate and be a Democrat. Right. This does not mean that you have to stay a Democrat when you're done. Because I have a lot of friends who vote Democrat and Republican. Mm-hmm. And so they stay nonpartisan until they kind of decide which way they want to go. They go online to that Register to Vote Nevada. They change their party affiliation. Right. They go and vote. And then they switch back to being nonpartisan. Yeah. So you can do that. So that brings up the question. So it's a presidential election. So are the Republicans holding a caucus here in Nevada? They are not. They canceled this year. Okay. Um, all of their delegates are going to go to uh, Donald Trump. All right. Even though I know there's a, at least two additional candidates who are running okay. against Trump. Okay. They decided to cancel. So uh, if this was 2016, I would be telling you the process the Republicans use and the process the Democrats use because they were different in 2016. Right. But the Dem- or the Republicans canceled this time. Yeah. I, uh, kind of to piggyback uh, on that, but to give a bit of context to the un- uh, for the uninitiated, uh, can you describe the difference between the primaries and a caucus? So the caucus is run by the party. Mm-hmm. So they get to it's all volunteers. Um, they get to decide what the rules are. They get to set the criteria. 
in June, we'll have a primary, and everybody else is running will be on the on mm -hmm. that ballot. The primaries are run by the elections department, mm -hmm. and so this is what we're more we're used to the the machines that um, you know, you've got your card and you put them in and you get your sample ballot, and all federal laws and regulations, Supreme Court hearings, um, Supreme Court rulings apply in the primary. They do not apply in the caucus mm -hmm. because the Supreme Court has ruled that the parties, the political parties, are private entities and they can do whatever they want. Huh. All right. Well, I would imagine that that leaves a couple people um, disenfranchised. disenfranchised. Yeah. Yes, it does. Mm -hmm. um, especially if you're only doing the regular caucus process where it's one day, one time, three hours, you are eliminating everybody that can't be there on that day. Right. And oftentimes they do it on a Saturday. That means if you're Jewish, that's your Sabbath mm -hmm. day. So I know a lot of my Jewish friends get eliminated from that. Oh, wow. But you're also, you know, we've got single parents who don't have babysitting. You've got people who are working swing shift. I mean, and, and oftentimes people who are disabled, can you actually participate for three hours? Right. right. That's hard. Mm -hmm. on, I mean, I get well, tired when can I you do that. Let, I mean, stand up, but also speak, right? Right. Yes. Yes. right. Mm -hmm. can, can you talk a little bit about the process? About right. the, is, is there a term to describe the cajoling and convincing process the screaming and yelling uh-huh yeah uh and it's it and it was a hundred years ago when we used to everybody would voice vote mm -hmm. so during the gilded age into the progressive period if you went to vote in a regular election you would walk up to a person and you would say these are the candidates i want you would say it out loud well your boss could have a person standing there glaring at you, making sure you voted the right way. Right. And so under the, in the progressive movement, they went to what's called the Australian ballot mm -hmm. and said it should be anonymous. You should Nobody should know how you're voting because they shouldn't be able to intimidate you. Mm -hmm. And women especially wanted to make sure that that was applied across the country because they would tell their husband they were going to vote for one way and they would go and vote another way and right. he would never know. Yeah. So you want to make sure people feel like I can go and vote. Nobody's going to know. I'm not going to be intimidated. Mm -hmm. Unfortunately, in the caucus process, because you have to voice vote, I have to say, I am voting for Pluto, and mm -hmm. walk over and stand, and you all see me. Uh -huh. So I have friends who are reporters. I have friends who are attorneys. I have friends who don't want to do that because mm -hmm. they don't want somebody saying, well, you're biased. Mm -hmm. I, saw, right. well, I saw who you were voting for. You must be biased. Mm -hmm. So they, they voluntarily opt out. So they voluntarily are excluded from the process, mm -hmm. which I think is wrong. Yeah. So after so after the first round though, so I'm overstanding with Pluto and Pluto is not viable. So I'm gonna need to pick one of the other ones. And this is the point where the people that are on the other ones are yelling at me, come over to our side, the other side sucks, come over to our side, and there's a lot of screaming and yelling. And then you have to kind of go and then these people are gonna be mad at you and it's not very comfortable. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and I remember in 2008 that feeling um, in Nevada, or at least my precinct in 2008, it was a large, most everybody in my precinct was going for Hillary Clinton. There was another, the next largest group was for Barack Obama. And then there were a few of us who are not, the, I was not for either of those two in 2008. And I just remember, yes, getting yelled at mm -hmm. and, and being like, I don't, this is very uncomfortable. And I'm somebody who I don't, I'm outspoken about politics. Right. It doesn't, that doesn't bother me, but I'm like, why are you yelling at me? Mm -hmm. Like, that's just out of control. I've served as a precinct captain. I was actually a precinct captain in 2008 and I can just remember having to, to tell people that they had to calm down and stop being so obnoxious. Right. Because <laughs> it wasn't just, oh, our candidate's better, but it was horrible things were being said, and I had to threaten to actually throw some people out. Oh, my gosh. But, you know, I'm a history professor, and I'm, I will throw you out. Right. But I had, like, this college student who's volunteering in the precinct next to me, and she was almost in tears because people uh, were being horrible at her. Yeah. Yeah. Well, 
So my next question <laughs> is... still participate. Yeah, yeah. Right. So, yeah. still participate. Yeah. Right. Um, tell me why. Why is it important to, to participate? If you don't show up as a statistic, you don't get built into the algorithms, you don't get built into policy... There's no pressure for them to change things. Mm -hmm. If they say, well, nobody else is complaining about the caucus process, so it must be fine. Mm -hmm. Right. You you need people who can can show up to show up and to say, I'm here, I'm voting, see me. Uh But then to have other people, maybe if they can't participate... To write letters, to be on Twitter, you know, to show up at hearings and saying I was excluded. Mm-hmm. But if if the parties want certain outcomes, you know, they have a range of, of candidates that they think would be should be viable, mm-hmm. and it's only the people who align with those candidates who are showing up because of the way the process is structured. Right. Then that kind of just affirms to them, no, we're doing it the right way because they're picking the candidates we like. Right. You have to have a range of diverse people showing up and saying. Yeah, I'm not feeling it for any of your candidates. It's actually this candidate that mm-hmm. I want. Ideally, or, that's how it was built for that for that type of. It, that's well, I wouldn't say that. No, what no. would you say? I would say it was built to affirm what the party wanted. Okay. And it's grown into the opportunity for diverse voices to show up. They made it purposefully intimidating, is what yes. you're saying. Mm-hmm. I mean, there's a reason. I, I don't know if you watched the film film footage of Iowa. Oh yeah. It's yeah. a lot of older white people who show up. Mm-hmm. And it's a lot yeah. of retired people who have time to do it. And they're more involved in politics. Mm-hmm. And so you set up a process to affirm what you think is, is the right way of doing things. Uh-huh. But we're even seeing this in the fact that when you look at the candidates who are going to be available, that all of the candidates of color almost have been winnowed out just because of the process that was used. Mm-hmm. And so there needs to be people who show up who say, I'm not okay with that. If you want my vote... I need to be reflected. I need you to see me. I need you to, to mm-hmm. think that the people who look like me are important too. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it is really unfortunate that Booker and Castro and right. Harris aren't still in it, particularly in our state, because yes. we are the third. And so the two, you know, 90% white states yep. get to go first. And then we are a super diverse state and all those candidates of color are gone. Um, and that is really unfortunate. Can you explain the importance of being first in the West and like what the importance of the, uh, the yeah. Okay. So mm-hmm. the, the hierarchy. Yes. Um, under the electoral college system, it kind of works the same way mm-hmm. where you are, or you are advantaging some States over other States. And the reason you do that mainly is because it's easier to pour resources into four States than it is to pour resources into 50 States. Mm-hmm. And you know, you would think that there would be a formula, which if they were going to say we're going to advantage some states over others, that there would at least be some calculation for why this state would go first and that state would mm-hmm. go second and this state would go third. But really, it was just because the guy from Iowa was there at the meeting when they were pulling together the caucus process and got his state in first. Uh-huh. And then New Hampshire put it into their state regulations that they have to be the first primary or they won't vote. And so it wasn't really looking at diversity. It wasn't really looking at, you know, the different parts of the constituencies. That being said, that's one of the reasons why Nevada ended up being picked first in the West. Mm -hmm. Because you've got two kind of northern, almost eastern states that are going to go. So they thought, well, we need some diversity, so we need something on the West Coast. Mm -hmm. We also want a state that's small enough that it's easy to organize. We're not having to spend tremendous amounts of money like California. Right, right. And we meet the mark when it comes to a lot of diversity. Mm -hmm. So if you look at just Clark County, um, if you're a candidate, I mean, we're like, you know, the best thing since sliced bread because you can show up and in one day, I can go and I can talk to a Latino group and an Asian group and an African-American group and a group of women 
and never leave Clark County. Mm-hmm. Right. And I and the amount that they have to pay for marketing here is is a lot less than if they were in another state. So we're going to be the first state where you're going to have a sizable Latino population who can show up and an African-American and Jewish American to be able to see, okay, here's what the white people thought. Mm-hmm. Right. What does everybody else think? Unfortunately, in the past, um, there have been candidates who've dropped out after New Hampshire because mm-hmm. they didn't seem viable. There might be a silver lining in Iowa not really knowing what it did right. because nobody's <laughs> dropping out right now. Right. Yeah. Right? Yeah, exactly. Now, New Hampshire will know, but New Hampshire's not as important because it's such a small state. Mm-hmm. But in every other election, there's literally been people, because they showed up third or fourth, that have said, right after Iowa, I'm out, that might have been viable here. Mm-hmm. Right. And then right after us is North Carolina. So that ends up being your first southern state. Okay. So you're saying that this is kind of to take the temperature overall of how the country is going to end up voting? Um, It's for the Democrats to take the temperature of their constituent basis. Okay. Mm -hmm. And so they're going to be looking at who's in their base. Mm -hmm. And they're going to want to know, okay, they're going to ask, all right, base, who do you like? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Now, when you were voting in a caucus, you're not actually voting for the person to become the candidate. What you're doing is you're voting to get your candidate delegates. Uh-huh. That's what I wanted. That's my right. Question. So every state has a certain has a number of delegates that are allotted to them. Mm-hmm. So what you're doing if you're going to the first caucus round is you're saying these are the delegates I want to go to the county conventions. Uh-huh. And then so if you're I'm for Pluto and Pluto was viable and Pluto got three delegates, I could sign up to be one of those delegates. Mm-hmm. I would then go to the county convention with all of the Pluto de- delegates from around the state, and then we would be voting on delegates to go to the state convention. Mm-hmm. And then at the state convention, you would be voting for delegates to go to the national convention. So there's this kind of convoluted process mm-hmm. that, again, is not like a primary. With a primary, you're voting for that person to win. Okay. Uh-huh. This time, you're just voting to get that person some delegates to start pushing them up the pipeline to see if there would be enough delegates to go to the national convention, which will be in July. Does Nevada, Does each state always have the same amount of delegates attend? Um, not, no, not necessarily. Okay. Um, it can change the population. Okay. How is that determined then? It's usually by population. But see, again, that's where you start running into problems because it's going to be based on the number of Democrats. Uh Uh-huh. And they look at the total population, they look at the number of people who are registered, and then they do allocations based on that population. Mm. So California would have way more than New Hampshire. Right. We're going to have more, you know, than, than New Mexico. Uh-huh. Um, so it's, it's a lot like the electoral college process, mm-hmm. where you have electors that actually elect the president. It's more like that. Okay. And maybe down the line we have you on to talk yeah, about the can, electoral college. We can yeah. talk about yeah. that thing, too. Yeah, because that's not very democratic either. Mm-hmm. Right. And then, right. And that's where, too, in the, the state process, is is really funky and i haven't i haven't had the opportunity to go to the state convention here um, but having done it in colorado too i mean but knowing how it worked particularly in 2016 where you know bernie won the caucus right but hillary won the state because the people that went to the convention and there was some shenanigans for sure it wasn't necessarily legitimate but she had more state delegates at the end of the day so even though bernie won our caucus Hillary still won the state your for the Democrats. Your delegates have to show up. Right. If your delegates yeah. don't show up and get seated. And that's and that's a good thing to remember too. So if you're going to the caucus this year and you want to make sure that your candidate gets the representation that you want them to have, that you also agree to volunteer to go to the county convention, go to the state convention, and that's more time. If you've got the time, it's a great way to get involved. But again, um, time. Right. 
Yeah. Mm-hmm. And again, it's at a disadvantage. So who goes to the state conventions? Right. Well, the, the old white people or the people that are retired or the people that don't have to work on the weekends. So it's not which in our state and particularly our community is going to predominantly be white people mm-hmm. and not people of color who are maybe in the service industry or people that are, you know, working class that are in the service industry. Right. So if you're middle not class, nine to five job, Monday through Friday, you know, you've got a babysitter for the kids or you don't have kids. It's, it's much easier for them mm-hmm. to volunteer to be a delegate and then to show up. Right. Right. Because, I mean, I know this from my students. This is one of the reasons I teach a lot of online classes is for my students, their schedule changes week to week. Mm-hmm. Right. And so, you know, they're working swing shift for a couple of weeks and now all of a sudden they're on day shift and then they're back over to swing shift. And so you might right now say, well, sure, I want to be a delegate. But I think what happened with the Bernie delegates, their schedule changes, mm-hmm. life comes up, and then they didn't show up for some reason. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Well, is there something that we're missing, um, something else that, uh, that you could add about the process? Just show up. Okay. It's, it's hard. Mm-hmm. Um, it's complicated. It can be confusing. But you have to say, I'm here. Mm-hmm. And it's the same, this is the same message I'm giving with the census as well. Because mm-hmm. I know there's a lot of you know, people feel uneasy about the census, about whether it's secure or not. But I, here's what, how I feel about the census as a historian. When I do research, the first thing I always look at is the census records. Because sometimes that's the only way you find people who don't have power. Mm-hmm. Because the people who have power create the documents that are official. The census is where I see women going, hi, I'm here. This is where I see Native Americans. This is where I see immigrants. Because they want people, the white people who control the state, want you in the census because they want to count you for representation. Mm -hmm. They're not going to give you anything. But they want the money that comes along with you and they want you for representation. So they allow you to exist in those records. Mm -hmm. That way I can say, no, there actually were women here. Or there there Mm -hmm. was an immigrant community here because they're telling me they were here. I see them. Uh Same thing with the caucus. Mm -hmm. Show up so they see you. Right. They know that you showed up. They know that you cast a ballot. Be a delegate. They need to see you to understand the process has got to be more inclusive because this group is going to start showing up and they're not going to put up with it anymore. Mm-hmm. Right. Showing up. Yeah. All right. Yep. That's good. Well, and hopefully this de- Iowa debacle hopes kill the caucus, but we can only hope. Well, we can talk about it. We can talk yeah. about it in the next legislative session because I'll certainly bring it up. Yeah, most definitely. Yeah. Well, Sandra, um, so beyond the caucus, uh, what are some things that the League of Women Voters here in Nevada is working on right now? Um, how should, how if people are passionate about this, but about civic engagement, but maybe aren't super into political parties, right. how can they get involved in what you're doing also? Uh, absolutely. Let me, I am happy to speak about that. Great. Um, so the League of Women Voters is nonpartisan. Um, that doesn't mean we don't do political things, but we don't advocate for candidates. We don't work directly with either of the political parties. And I really like that because some coalitions I'm working with Republicans, sometimes with Democrats, sometimes with both, but we always prioritize the issue. Mm-hmm. And so there are a lot of people I talk to who get turned off by the, the candidates yelling at each other, or the shenanigans with the parties, but still want to be civically engaged. And so the league is a good place to come because we do everything from behavioral and mental health to making sure we have public transportation to environmental concerns. Mm-hmm. So we have, you know, the full tool chest. If you want to come work with us, we can find you things to do or we can show you how to be engaged with the legislature or the county commission or even if you just want to do some research for us. Mm-hmm. Or even if you would like to help me do Instagram because I'm horrible at Instagram <laughs> and I need some people to help me with that. There you go, Allison. Yeah. You're great at Instagram. Yeah, I'll look you up. I didn't okay. I, I, yes. I should look you up for sure. 
Excellent. And so how um, how can people reach the League of Women Voters here in Nevada? So if you go, if you just Google the League of Women Voters of Southern Nevada, we pop right up. Okay. Um, currently, we're, we have an independent redistricting commission ballot question that we're trying to get qualified. We want to end gerrymandering in this state. Mm-hmm. So we're Excellent. looking for volunteers just to have their friends and family sign up for that. That's mm-hmm. one of the important things. The second thing we're really working on is behavioral and mental health workforce development. We do not have enough providers in this state. So we are incarcerating the mentally ill. We have children who never get to see a psychologist. We've got families who are being torn apart by domestic violence that need a therapist, and there's just not enough providers. And so we're working on that like gangbusters. Mm-hmm. Great. Good stuff. And then just to reiterate, the iHeart Civics event is on the 3rd February, Friday, February. No, is that a... That's a Thursday. Thursday, Thursday. So it's a week from today. It's okay. two days before the early caucus right. voting. Uh-huh. Uh huh. What what building and what time? So if um, folks want to email me, so my email is s o n d r a period mm-hmm. Cosgrove. So c o s g r o v e at gmail dot com. Mm-hmm. I will send you all the information because we're going to be at the West Charleston campus of College of Southern Nevada in the student union from 10 a.m. to 5 p.m. We have Hip Hop Meets Politics coming, the Every Woman Band. We've got powwow dancers. We've got a Native American magician. We have Irish folk mm. dancers. We've got food. But we'll also have um, caucus training. Mm-hmm. The Census Bureau will be there. NAACP, um, Meme Familia Vota will be there. It's going to be fun. All right. It's going to be civics all day. Wonderful. Yes. You had us at civics. Oh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Hashtag civic engagement. Yep. Very cool. Well, thank you very much, Sandra, for um, coming on. We know that uh, the last couple of weeks, well, the rest of the year is going to be pretty pretty hectic. It's going to be hectic all the way till next December. This is yeah. true. Well, uh, we do, though, um, don't want to hesitate to ask the question we, we ask everyone here, uh-huh. um, particularly since you've been here in Southern Nevada for a while. Where are your favorite places to eat and or drink coffee, alcoholic beverages, whatever you're drinking? Oh, okay. Now you're talking about <laughs> it. So uh, my friends like to call me the buffet queen. Oh, nice. Uh, I, I would have to say that probably um, Red Rock Station is my favorite. Mm-hmm. Um, if I went down, t- if I went on the strip, it would probably be Paris. Oh, yeah. That's, that, my that's, that's a good one. Um, but I mean, I, there's, there's a lot of the buffets. And the reason I like the buffets is because then you don't have to worry about... Do they have gluten-free or if you're a vegetarian? Because right. most of the buffets now are really good about having food set out for people if they have dietary restrictions. Uh-huh. Right. And you get your coffee and you can sometimes get some champagne. So I love the buffets. <laughs> nice. Um, my, I like to do happy hour at a place called Craft House. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. So Craft House is really good. And Definitely then Makers and Finders means. if I'm doing coffee. Nice. Oh, yeah. And um, Hop Nuts is actually, if you go down to Mainstream, Hop Nuts is right next to Makers and Finders. So you can do coffee and then beer or beer and then coffee. Mm-hmm. Or beer, beer. You can do beer, beer. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Right, yes. Yeah. Yes. yeah. Okay, very cool. Well, Those excellent. are good options. Have you been to Abel Baker? Yes. Mm-hmm. Very good. Yes. Um, and that's right. That's actually right up the street there from where the new Craft House just opened up on Main mm-hmm. Street. Yeah. That's true. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, in the last couple of weeks, I've been I've hit all. Well, I haven't. I've been to Hop Nuts, but I've been to Abel Baker. I think four times in Craft House once in just like the last two weeks yep. because I neglected them for so long. And so I mean, I know neither of them. Have there's down also there if you time, go but... uh, just up a little bit, there's the Pasty House, and then mm-hmm. right around the corner, there's a little Thai shop that's mm-hmm. really good. Oh, yeah, yeah, it's a little family owned Thai shop. Well, it sounds really like good. you uh, come down to the Arts District quite a lot. Yeah. Then. Well, I, I live on the east side, so I'm not too far from downtown. Oh, nice. So. Mm-hmm. Oh, excellent. All right. Yep. 
moving on up. Well, wonderful. Well, again, thank you so yes. much for yeah, for, for being me. here with us and. Um, uh, I imagine we'll probably have you on again too because there's plenty for us we can talk about. Yeah, I got, I got issues to talk about. <laughs> Excellent. All right. Well, um, this has been Wild and Free, a Battleborn podcast. I'm Jacob, along with Allison and, and our producer, Jose Sotelo, research assistance by Ashley Pacheco, and creative direction by Berta Gutierrez. And of course, the dog in the den of descent, although we are in den of descent. Uh, Satellite today, Mm -hmm. uh, Raven, and then, of course, Sebastian, the newest member of our team. Yes, we love them all. All right. right. Giddy up. Giddy up. Giddy up.